everyone, and welcome to Minute 63 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Andrea Loaf, a Die Hard fan who actually was able to get an article published in an academic uh, journal about Die Hard. So welcome back, Andrea. Thank you. It's so much fun. It's been so much fun talking to you all week, you know, and um, mm-hmm. I'm going to continue enjoying to talk to you, even though uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to cut you off in a second because I need to talk to Theo to ask okay. him a few things. But, you well, know, but I don't want to really <laughs> bother him while he's working, but still, you know. <laughs> so, so minute 63 begins with, with Hans trying to contact Theo and ends with Hans insisting everything is going according to plan. Mm-hmm. Even though it doesn't look that way to us, but who knows? You know, we'll we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. So yesterday's minute ended with uh, Carl informing Hans that uh, you know Marco is down on the street mm-hmm. and Heinrich is dead and his bag is missing with the detonators. He had the detonators. I just love That's saying right. that every time. <laughs> <laughs> and basically, what uh, Hans then does is he picks up his radio start punching in a whole bunch of different, uh, you know, little codes or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And and then we hear him say, Theo, Theo. He says it twice. Yo. And then, then we get a shot of Theo and he goes, yo. That, that's a great way for, for someone to respond to their boss. You know, <laughs> especially if you know that your your boss is a sociopath. Yeah, you know, who just killed I, someone I don't in know front if, of you. That's right. I, I don't <laughs> know if, if that's the best way to answer. Not really sure. He keeps it uh, casual. Yeah, he definitely keeps it a little bit too casual. I think that that's part of the problem. You know, he's 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 doing a nice job of it, but uh, you know, he's he's a little too hip for 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 Hans. I think he knows Hans <laughs> needs him though, because I think he has the the technic the technical computer skills that at that time not very not very many people had. In the late eighties when computers were kinda getting Yeah, but but forget about that. Even even if even if even if Hans knew of someone else who has that skill, he's not gonna be able to get them over to Nakatomi that quick to take yeah, care so of it tonight. He, exactly. So he needs Theo. So I think Theo yeah. has a certain level of comfort that, you know, I am not expendable because I am the person that's doing this work on the computers. Even even though that 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 I mean we've discussed this numerous times about the fact that Hans is compartmentalizing everything. You know, the none of the Hans is the only one who knows the entire plan. You know, yeah. we we even we we know that Theo doesn't know the whole plan. We know oh, that yeah. that that uh, Carl right. doesn't know the whole plan. You know, um, you know, I, I I had this conversation a few weeks ago with with one of my guests that it's very possible that Hans is keeping this to himself because he's concerned that if anyone else knew the entire plan, they would mm. kill him. Oh. Even though he's the brains behind the whole thing and he needs it. You know, we, we had a whole debate as to whether, you know, whether he's like the Joker in uh, in The Dark Knight or not. You know, the Joker oh. has everyone do their job yeah. in order to eventually kill them all. Mm, yeah. You know, so I, I don't think that, that uh, Hans is that sadistic. I think he would have been mm-hmm. willing to do that if everyone turned on him. Yeah. But I don't think that that was his original plan. Because you see... The, the 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 trio of of Hans, Carl, and Theo as the three main bad guys. Mm-hmm. But 
you never really know. But but you know, Hans is still the one completely in charge. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the one who's planned everything out completely. Yeah. And at this point, uh, uh, then Hans says to Theo, "We may have some problems. How's our schedule?" And he says, three down, four to go." Which which is is an interesting response for him because he said before that he has to get through six locks, but the seventh lock is out of his hands. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, he, it should be three down, three to go. Yeah, because the the you know the other one's out of his hands. I guess and and so. does he does he? And then he said, "Well, the fourth one's a time lock." So no, well, right? He doesn't say it here. Oh, okay. I'm he, thinking right. he just started movie. Right. No, that he said before. He said that mm-hmm. we have there are mm-hmm. there's six six uh six locks to get through and the seventh lock I can't, is out of my hands because it's mm-hmm. it, we got the time lock. Yeah. You so know, I guess four to go to the, the electromagnetic we get an electromagnetic uh, lock. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So it's four to go, including that that electron yes. electromagnetic uh, one. You know. Mm-hmm. And and then I love Hans's response. He goes, "Then don't waste time talking to me." Mm. <laughs> like you're the one that, that called. <laughs> yeah, it's such a typical boss answer. You know. Yes. You know, you're sitting there. Your boss calls you up and says, "Okay, wh- what about this and that and the other thing?" And you say, "Well, I'm in building this." And that and that. Well, don't waste your time talking to me. Well, you, as you said, you called me. Exactly. I, I need to give you the update here. Mm. You know, and then we we get we get a shot of of Theo's computer screen mm-hmm. and it's just really funny because this is uh uh trans trans uh, transducian lock 3a6nx14 which means absolutely nothing to me you know mm-hmm. i i tried no. i tried looking it up and i couldn't find anything on that you know but uh right and then the the scene changes and we we see uh the we see al pal outside mm-hmm. you know he's uh He's walking. He's got blood on his uh, blood blood on his, his forehead. Yeah. And he picks up his radio and goes, "This is Sergeant Al Powell, of the Los Angeles Police Department. If the person who radioed for help can hear me on this channel, acknowledge this transmission. I say again, if the person who radioed for help on this channel can hear me, acknowledge this transmission. And <laughs> it's great because you know you have all these police cars that are that are yeah. coming." close to him and they're making a lot of noise and yeah, he's, he's motioning like, for them to be quiet shut up they're gonna hear you <laughs> yeah and at the same time we, we we as he's talking we see a shot of hans hearing the the conversation you know over mm-hmm. the radio yeah um and then then he repeats this request also and then like we we see three different police cars show up that that are making a lot of noise around him and then we, we see John, you know, running around uh, among the offices as this whole thing is going on. And then he picks up his radio and he goes, I read you, pal. You the guy in the car. <laughs> now, wh- why would he think that? Like, where would that come from? Yeah, because he, well. Like, why would he care? Like, who's, you know, you, you hear something going on. Like, your first instinct is going to mm-hmm. be, he's the guy in the car who, who was just shot up. Yeah, welcome to the party, pal. I, yeah, because I don't know if he would have been watching him get out and could have, you know. But it, I mean, we've seen how high. I mean, we saw how high that guy was when he fell, Marco. Um, yeah. So it's it's not like he could pinpoint, you know. They, these are like ants on the ground to him. Correct. Almost. They're so far down, he couldn't make out facial features. He and every, it's so dark too. He wouldn't be like. Uh, he wouldn't know, the guy on site. 
So I don't know. Right, but again, just, like, why would he be the? You know, call. why would? I don't know. Why would he assume that that's the, that he's the guy taking control of the situation? You know, that's yeah, because uh, I mean, he was calling him Stevie Wonder earlier because he wasn't seeing anything. Right. Exactly, because he was just driving around in circles. Yeah. You know. I don't know. And then uh, we get a shot of, of Powell, and he goes, what's left of him? And we see mm-hmm. that he's still bleeding. You know, he's trying to, to you know, he's, he's touching his head where he's, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Poor and, Al. I mean, yeah. So he, he does does a nice job of, of, you know, asking these type of questions to John, you know, stuff like that. You know, because he starts off by saying, can you identify yourself? And he goes, not now, yes. maybe later. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, I mean, John, John has a great quick response to the whole thing. You know, he knows right away, I can't identify myself. Yeah. You know, which is funny because he could have identified himself because Hans wouldn't have known that Holly's last name is McQueen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because and even if eventually... he went into the computer system, it would, it says Gennaro, you know, yes. there's no place where it says her name is McLean except mm-hmm. for seeing the picture. That's the only thing yes. that would, that would theoretically give it away once mm-hmm. Hans sees John. Yes. You know, nothing before that. Okay. And then John uh, proceeds to, to give him a little bit of uh, uh, breakdown of the situation. Mm-hmm. He goes, listen fast. This is a party line and the neighbor's got itchy trigger fingers. All right. Here's the deal. You got 30 hostages on the 30th floor. The leader, his name is Hans. And at the same time, we then get a shot of, um, of Franco, not mm-hmm. Marco, Franco, inside mm-hmm. of the... Of 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 uh, Han, the office with Hans, who seems to be getting pretty pissed off that uh, that that John's giving out some permission. He goes, mm-hmm. "We have to find him and shut him up. He's telling them everything." Mm-hmm. And then Hans responds, "Let him. Let I'm him. waiting for the FBI to arrive. <laughs> Until then, he can waste as much time as he likes. But we must find the and detonators." Then, and then he gets <laughs> then he gets cut off. We're gonna have to come back tomorrow to find oh, out what he says well, oh. with that. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, first things first. John mentions that that uh, we're on a party line. So do you know what a party line is? Yeah. But, um, I don't know if it was like all the neighbors shared one line. I think it's something like that where you're on the same telephone line as like either if you're in an apartment building, like everyone on the same floor or your neighbors. So it's a party line and you could uh, and you would have to like listen for it because other people like would – pick up the phone as well and be like get off it's for me and you know because you never know who's calling if they're calling you could be a lot of different people correct i mean that that that's the issue a party line is is was a phone line that was used by numerous parties at the same time it would they would people would save money by joining Mm -hmm. this party line as opposed to having their own private line in order to do that um and it actually started in 1878 they they offered this service and up until the the mid 20th century, there were a lot of places that were still using it, uh, mm-hmm. especially in the Midwest. Yeah, because they because of the they would get a discount, and uh, sometimes during during uh, like World War II, those were the only lines that were available for people to use. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the biggest problem obviously is is you don't have any privacy in your communication. Exactly. And they, in the late 50s, they started using it for entertainment and gossip lines that people can get on to, to listen to those, to, to, to those type of things. Um, and it was also used for alerting entire neighborhoods of emergencies, whether there was maybe a fire or something like that. 
So that or could be terrorists awesome. at the Nakadomi panel <laughs> at the Nakadomi Plaza. Who knows? Now there there were a few times that that there are a few documented times where party lines caused a lot of problems. So in December 1942, there was a football game between the University of Tennessee and the University of Mississippi, and there the the team strategy was revealed to the opposing coach uh, because they uh, they accidentally had the same party line, so oh, they were geez. able to hear the the information about that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that in the 1980s they stopped using the party lines because uh, of the, all the new new technologies and uh, it, private equipment that people used to use on their phones. For instance, answering machines, computer modems, things like that. You couldn't if you were on a party line, you couldn't use these things. You couldn't use an answering machine. Mm-hmm. You know because it wouldn't. And then you know once they started with call forwarding and call waiting. And things like that. So that also, uh, you know, made it more incompatible for multi-party lines. Yeah. So they ended up, uh, you know, they, they pretty much phased them out sometime in the the mid '80s with the whole thing. Right. And then he he says that the the bad guys have itchy trigger fingers. Yeah. Have, have you I mean, heard that phrase before? Yeah, I think I have. I I don't. I couldn't say where, but like, I I just think that whole like it's it's such a a short and concise way to convey the information that is, that is needed. Like he was there when Takagi got shot and he, I mean, yeah, there was a countdown, but he didn't think he'd actually do it. And so he's like, well, these people mean business. They're right. going to shoot. They're not like, I mean, any, any little thing and they'd shoot their, their fingers. Right. Yeah. Sure. It's the, that minute. If you, even if you had an itch, that trigger is going to be triggered. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> You're right. So, I mean, the definition that I found was is that it is a, uh, a a person eager to fire their weapon or likely to do so unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Again, like, uh, as you said, he didn't expect Hans to pull the trigger, and he did. Now, there's also the, the metaphorical trigger finger of a person with a tendency or readiness to act in haste or without consideration, a tendency to so act. So, again, it, it could be that John's referring to either of these. He could be referring to the mm-hmm. fact that physically, you know, or literally, they had their fingers on the triggers and they're ready to shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. Or they could be referring to the fact that that they're just people that are that are ready and willing to to do things spontaneously, uh, you know, as quickly as possible. And That's we saw point. that with Tony too when he first the first uh, yeah. hench that was sent upstairs, and oh, he's like you know, I'll give you a count of three. I will, I'm not going to hurt you. And then like, boom, like goes behind and then he where he thought and just <laughs> shoots. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. You actually are going to try to kill him. Don't lie yeah. to us. <laughs> Correct. You're right. hundred percent. Um, and so pretty much, you know, we, we, we get an idea first of all, of who Franco is here also because of the way that he is, you know, acting very, very agitated about, uh, I mean, again, it's his line is there for us because he's supposed to be, you know, letting us know his frustration. And it's also opening up the, the, the option for Hans to, to tell us, you know, part of his plan, you know, that he's waiting for the FBI to show up. Yeah. That type of thing. So I, I, th- I think that works also. Um, that, that's all I have for this minute before we get to the script. Do you have anything else you wanted to, to mention here? Yeah. I, cause I think this is the, we, we get a really good sense in this minute of, uh, 
it's the beginning of the Al John buddy ship mm -hmm. and um yep. and in it it also shows the same sort of relationship between uh similar uh between Hans and Theo and that's uh the buddy system of the 1980s you know if um the black cop and the white cop or just a black person and a white person but um it gets into the race of the buddy is always subservient to the white character and so you know Al does do what he's supposed to do as a cop and take control, you know, try to get information out of him. But at the same time, he's still also at the mercy of how much information John wants to provide to him. Right. And um, the whole black techno wizard um, relationship, which is uh, something that I quote in my article from Kevorkian, who's different Kevorkian from what I think everyone thinks of when they see, hear that. Last That's time. what I thought of the first time I, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Different, different one. But that the reliance on Theo for the brain work is emblematic of cyberphobia phobia of the late 80s of, you know, computers are not quite at the the entrenched in society to be trusted as they are, you know, now at this point, we've got the digital generation, digital natives. Um, so it was, you know, well, we don't trust it. Let's, um, you know, keep the the person who's doing that at hands like arm's length from us. And um, it was, I'm trying to think of, there's another movie that I'm thinking of where the guy who's the computer guy is also black. And I'm thinking, I can't remember it now, um, but it, it's not uncommon. And that's, it, I mean, obviously enough that it shows up in this, um, this person's article. So I wanted to talk about that, but also the buddy system itself. Are you, um, are you maybe talking about, are you maybe talking about bad boys? Where you had John Staley as the computer guy? No, mine, it was like, the, it was a space earlier. movie from like long time ago, old space movie. And I, I don't remember what it was anymore. If it, if it was Spaceballs or something else, I guess Spaceballs wouldn't be yeah. as old as. No, Spaceballs space space came out in 87, yeah. came out the year before this. Yeah. But, but Spaceballs, they, they do have, you know, Michael Winslow in there doing the, uh, the bleeps, the sweeps and the creeps, you know, where he's doing all his, uh. Mm -hmm uh all, all of his sound effects that uh, could be it I, then but there's okay, two functions for the biracial buddy system to place right. black masculinity in subservient role to white masculinity and second to exclude women from the center of the narrative so going back to the differences between the novel and the film uh the novel really doesn't have a whole lot of diversity in terms of race uh all of the terrorists are white and a lot of them are women, too, versus in Die Hard, we get a more diverse set of terrorists, but none of them are women. You know, yeah. Holly is like our main leading lady in the entire film, even though there's, you know, like we saw Gail Wallens and, you know, other people. So it's just a, it's a different. Right. I mean, it takes, them, it takes them three movies yeah. till they finally have a bad guy who's who's one of the women who's a woman. Yeah. But I think yeah. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that that that. In order to be able to show, I guess you could say, violence against the uh, a female terrorist, mm -hmm. you know, it could be it can be misperceived. Yeah, you know, it's I, harder I, to show it. It's easier to to to, to state it in in a novel, mm -hmm. but when you show it on screen, they have to be very careful about the way they do it and and you know and the way that John would fight with with a, a female uh, you know antagonist. So I mean, even in Die yeah. Hard Three. Which which we'll hopefully get to you know a few seasons from now, so you know she ends up dying, 
uh, at the end with, yeah. you know, in the helicopter. It's not even, there's no one-on-one fight with her. Mm-hmm. Like she's, she, whenever she is, is killing someone or fighting with someone, she's completely dominant in mm-hmm. everything that happens. Uh, and, and even in Die Hard 4, even yeah. in Die Hard 4, when you have mm-hmm. uh, Maggie, Maggie Q, it's the mm-hmm. same type of thing until there, they do have a scene where John is fighting her. Yes. And so, so that came out in 2007. So we're talking, mm-hmm. it took them 19 years to, yeah. to give him an antagonist, a female antagonist that he can, can fight where the audience won't care that he's beating up a woman, I guess, you, for yeah. lack of a better fra- way of phrasing it. It is harder to show on film because, I mean, I mentioned this um, probably the other day when we were talking about the differences with the novel is the novel is much more introspective. So right. there are these teenage, because like, some of them are like, maybe they're like 19, 20. They're, they're kids because in the, in the novel, Joe Leland is in his early 50s. So he's a lot right. older than John in the, in the film. And yeah. so he's got some, he's feeling those feelings of, I don't want to hurt this child. Um, I, and so it, uh, so yeah, it, that it's that same thing that's happening of he, he doesn't, but you can see it because it's um, the, cause it's the novel. So there's more chance to show that, okay, he's not, he doesn't like hurting them or trying to kill them. It's survival. And then later right. after he does uh, kill one of the the women, he's like, I really didn't want to have to do that. And he has to sit with that. So yeah, but I, there's I, a lot I, more. It's harder to convey that in, in the film. Yeah, I, but I, I, totally I think it goes, I think that goes back to one of the comments you made, I think it was uh, two days ago, where you were talking about, you were comparing it with the Patty Hearst. So mm-hmm. that, I think that's also part of the whole idea here that, you know, in the, in the novel, the, these are, you know, these, these are younger, uh, I don't know if terrorists is the right word to constantly be using here, but mm-hmm. uh, younger antagonists from the perspective yeah. that what they're trying to do there is they have, you know, a political agenda mm-hmm. as opposed to anything else. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Great point. So you have anything else you want to say about the, about it before we get into the script? Uh, no, because I think the the other points I make about race in the article are for later parts in the movie. So not for this particular moment, no. <laughs> okay. All right, great. So again, with the script, as we have through most of these minutes, there are minor discrepancies. For instance, Hans says, how is your schedule instead of how is our schedule? Mm-hmm. Which again, it doesn't make that much of a difference, but um but I think saying our makes it more all-inclusive. So I think that, that works a little better. Then um, they, the, uh, with Powell, he actually repeats, in the movie, he repeats himself. But in, in the script, he only says it once. Mm-hmm. You know, about, uh, you know, if the person who radio for help can hear me on this channel, acknowledge this transmission. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say it twice. Okay, then they, they have a brief description of the operations trailer which says Powell stands in front of his destroyed cruiser and looks <laughs> up at the building behind him, technicians, city power and light personnel, uh, SWAT officers and protective gear, etc., arrive from all directions. A trailer is being backed into a parking lot, which will become the police center of operations. It is like watching a small town being constructed right before your eyes. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the descriptive way that they do that. And yeah. in McLean then gives his description 
And he doesn't, first of all, or his response to, to Powell. So he doesn't say that they've itchy trigger fingers. He says they're trigger happy. Hmm. And instead of him saying, um, instead of him saying, here's the deal, he goes, here's the skinny, <laughs> which doesn't work for, for no. Bruce Willis to be saying that. So it says there, no. there's 30 or so hostages on the 30th floor with probably two or three guards that cover a group that size. The leader here is named Hans. And besides the pea shooter he ventilated your car with, they got machine guns and sidearms up the yin yang. On top of that, one of them has a big enough chunk of plastic explosives to orbit Kate Smith. Kate Smith? Yeah, that's what he says. But we'll get there tomorrow. Because that's okay. that's a line that we can compare with uh, with with something that's being said tomorrow, and mm-hmm. and then he uh, you know Hans says to, to to Franco the police are irrelevant. We've waited for the FBI. We're we've waiting. We're waiting for the FBI. Until they arrive, we can't finish our work. Meanwhile, let this fool waste his time with the police. <laughs> so yeah. again, it's the same thing. I think they say it more succinctly in the movie. I yes, think it works I agree. well that it's not needed, you know. I again, the description is the only thing I like here. Mm-hmm. The description of everything going on behind him, you know, the fact that saying it looks like a small town being constructed right mm-hmm. before their eyes. You know, yeah. that, that, that's great. And you think about at the end too, like the very end of the movie when they're panning now, you can kind of see all of that stuff. Yes. That's, that's I think I think next week we see it also. Or actually we see it later this yeah. week you can when start, when uh, it starts coming when together, when Dwayne yeah. shows up, we start to see that also a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Dwayne. Dwayne. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yes, we'll get there. Yes. Not today, though. Not today. So every Wednesday, we have a segment called Hans Hump Day, where my guests will give their top five uh, performances by Alan Rickman. Yeah. So, Andrea, what have you got for us? Well, I realized that um, aside from, I mean, there are a few obvious Alan Rickman films that I've seen, I have seen, but not not as many. So, like, previous weeks, I know they're mentioning um things like galaxy quest i've never seen that movie so my list might be a little different so well we want my, we want diversity here That's yeah fun. my number five is sense and sensibility and i've read that oh. novel and liked it he plays colonel brandon in that movie mm-hmm. uh and my number four is not a movie but his appearance as king philip in the ren Faire episode of king of the hill i absolutely love that one um where Hank has to go deliver propane, give propane to the Ren fair that's happening. And Peggy gets involved in how uh, the wenches are treated. And um, Alan Rickman plays the king and he's so pompous and he's awful. He's, you know, a different type of antagonist. But mm-hmm. I grew up on that one and I just, I loved it. Uh, oh, wow. Number three is Love Actually, which I know is mentioned a lot. And I, I think he has a great character in in that one. And I did end up picking um of the many Harry Potter movies available. I picked Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone because I feel like that, you know, that introduction of Snape, yes, we get more of his character later on, but uh I think just that especially Harry's perception of him is just like, you know, he's just 11. He it's his first year at Hogwarts and he, the, Snape has a much more menacing sort of uh or intimidating i guess is a better word appearance and then die yeah. hard is my top okay that that that's fair yeah. well, I'm, I'm why am i so surprised at that <laughs> oh that's my favorite <laughs> okay understandable i i think just almost everybody has has mentioned it i i even i only had one 
yeah. guest so far who didn't even mention Die Hard on his top five of that. But, Dang. you know, everyone else has, has him on their top five. Uh, most in the most in the top position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Great. So getting in touch with me is very simple. All you have to do is do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. You can find me on Twitter and you can find me on Facebook. And anyone who wants to get in touch with Andrea, just send me, uh, you know, shoot out, shout out to me and I will uh, pass it on to her. Um, so if you like coming back again tomorrow and uh, continuing to talk about uh, everything going on in the Nakatomi building or outside of the Nakatomi building. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, all right. I'm ready. I feel Excellent. like I'm all, I, I know this whole movie and it, I'm like trying to keep myself within the box of, of our minute bit by bit. I mean, I can make references to what happened before and I'm trying not to reference as much what happens after our minute <laughs> as we go by. Yeah, I, I have the same problem. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay. Yippee ki yay.